Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. He is worthy. Worthy. Oh, man. God put a shout back in our mouth. Lord, God put a dance back in our feet. Lord, that we would truly demonstrate hearts and lives that are so grateful to what God has done, for what God is doing, and for what God yet plans to do. Do you know God's got greater prepared for you than you could even imagine? He's got better things in store for you. He's not, he's not revealed it to you yet because it's so wonderful it would overwhelm you. It would overwhelm you. God has good days ahead for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? God has good days ahead for you. The devil's telling you it's bleak, and the devil's telling you it's bad, and the devil's telling you it's stormy, but the devil's a liar. That's all he can do is lie. So he's lying to you. But the truth that sets us free is that God has gone before us, and God has prepared a way. Hallelujah! And it's a high way. It is a glorious way. It is a wonderful, wonderful way that he has prepared for us for the way of the Lord is good. Praise the Lord. So good to see you guys in the house of the Lord this morning. First service, we had a ball. We had a ball. I was preaching. They, had, they were squeezing it out of me, and I felt a little burn in my throat. And I said, whoa, I can't lose my voice. We got the second crowd coming. And the Lord's giving me my voice back. Praise the Lord. This is, a, this is a day we're going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice in it, amen, and be glad. We're just excited about uh, what God is doing in your lives. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to what he is trying to do to discourage you. Amen. We are here to tell you that what God is doing, be encouraged. Be encouraged. We have a good week we're preparing for. We gather together on the first day of the week because God is a first fruit God. And he said, the first belongs to me, and you honor me with the first, and I'll, I'll bless the rest. I'll sanctify the rest. I'll anoint the rest. So we know this week that we're going into, he's gone before us. He's anointed it. He's gone before us. He's blessed it. So let us get prepared and get equipped that we can go into this week, and we can, uh, as we partner with him, we can do and fulfill his purpose during this week. Some people say, well, let's talk about next year. I say, let's get through next week, okay? Let's get through this week and next week, amen, and serve the Lord day by day, not just a, uh, a relationship with God that's once a year, twice a year, uh, we come together, but no, every day, every day, the Lord wants us to walk with Him. And that's kind of what we're talking about this morning in Exodus chapter 21. If you have your Bibles want to turn there, Exodus chapter 21, we're going to be looking at the first six verses of the 21st chapter of Exodus. Father, we pray as we turn to your word now, God, that you would take any scales off of our eyes that the enemy may have placed there to try and blind us from your truth. Lord, open our eyes that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our hearts that we might understand, Lord God, the revelation of that which you're bringing to us even now and the illumination of your truth and your word in and through our lives, we pray as we study together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Exodus chapter 21, verses 4, I mean one following. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them, that if you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. And if he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. 
If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, then the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, I love my wife, and I love my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges. And he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl and he shall serve him forever. See, in the Old Testament days when a Hebrew owed another Hebrew, uh, they would not go out to the Gentiles and be enslaved in an unrighteous and an ungodly and where there's no mercy and grace. They did not do business that way. They were in covenant with God and they were in covenant with each other. So they would come to each other and say, if you will help me with this, if you will help me buy this, if you will help me uh, um, uh, advance here, I don't have the money, but I will give you my time. I will work for you. And it was called an enslavement or indebtedness to them, but it was not done in an evil way like what we would think of as slavery today, having the history that we've seen in the world and in our own nation and its atrocity and its evil ugliness. It was not that, that, it was not that mindset at all. It was where one would choose to come and say, if you'll help me get this house, then I will work for you uh, for six years up to seventh year so the, they would never make a deal that would go beyond the seven so that uh, it could be fulfilled in that time frame. There were laws in the Bible that guarded this. So, so if someone would do that, they would work for them for six years and then on the seventh year they could be free from that debt and it's paid in full. Like you're burning your mortgage, you burned a note, you paid it off, you own your house free and clear, it'd be like that. And if you were married and had children when you went into this uh, indebtedness, then the Bible says when your debt's paid that what you came in with is yours, you go out with. But if you came in as a single person and through the relationship of working with this, we call him master, but let's think of it as Jesus being our Lord and master, okay? Not the master of an old ugly system that is flawed and, and, and demonic. We're not talking about that. So if you came in as a single person and through your master you were introduced and met your wife, got blessed with your wife, and then you got blessed with children, at the end of, the, on that seventh year, says you're able to go, you're free, but the blessings that came to you is still going to be connected to this good master that brought the blessings to you. And you could, if you desired, it was your free will, you could tell your master that I've been so blessed in covenant with you, I've been so blessed, I've gotten this house and I've gotten this business or whatever it was you worked for, and you've stood with me and you believed in me when no one else would, and through you I've met the love of my life, and man, when you've met the love of your life, you know you are a blessed somebody. Anybody sitting beside the love of your life, amen, or got memories of the love of your life, you blessed, right? And then through the love of your life, you get these children. Praise God, I got two of them right here. The third one's in a class. But let me tell you what, you say, I've been so blessed that if you will plainly state, now that's what the Bible says, 
But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, I love my wife, and I love my children, he says he will not then go out free. Uh, I don't want to be free. I want to stay in this covenant. And if you will do that, prioritizing the love for your master, the love for your spouse, and the love for your children, it says, then you are to go before the judges and they will judge the sincerity of your heart. So you couldn't just say this to stay in this blessed covenant just to, to milk it for its goodness. Your heart had to be in it. It had to be a relationship. So you had to have a relationship that you're committed to your master. You love him so much and you love your spouse, and you love your children, you would go before the judges, and the judges would determine the sincerity of your heart, and if it was determined that this is the real deal, then you would be taken to a tree or the doorpost, the timber of a doorpost, and they would take an awl, like, the, like in the hand of this craftsman here working with leather. looks like an ice pick, but you use it to work with leather. There's my third one. There she is. Praise God. And you would puncture the hole in there. Well, you would go before the timber of a tree on the doorpost, and they would pierce your ear with an awl, and this was a sign that you had paid your debts. You're not in debt to anyone. You're not, you're not in bondage to anything. You're free. But you've been so blessed through the relationship that you're not willing to walk away from the relationship, that you love your master, you love your spouse, you love your children, and this all punctured a hole in your ear and this piercing would be an outward sign that you were a bond servant, that you were free but or choosing to stay. Now Jesus said, did he not? If you don't love the Lord your God more than your father and mother and brother and sister and spouse or children, you're not fit for the kingdom. He's not telling us that we should not love our mother and father and our brother or sister or our spouse or our children. He's telling us that we're to love the master first. We're to love the master first and then our spouse and then our children. The priority is very, very important. So I'm here this morning from this text of Scripture which is so filled with typology and shadows and it's pointing to Jesus and it's pointing to our relationship and the covenant that we have with God that the priority in the heart of God for us is that we love our master Jesus Christ first. That he is number one and we are not able to give our husband or our wife or our children what they need unless we are loving our master first. Then you are to love your mate or your spouse. And then you are in the priority to love your children. Now let me tell you what. If you get these priorities mixed up, it totally causes dysfunction in the way you live. You must understand that. If you are not able to give your children what God has called you to give them, if you're not loving your spouse first over them, and if you're not loving Jesus first over your spouse. There's a priority here. You will mess up and do it. I've seen people mess up and do it backwards when they become child-centered. You ever seen a child-centered home? That is a very dangerous, it is out of the will of God, it is out of the order of God. You're taking the youngest person in the family, 
You're taking the one who has the least wisdom, the least experience, the least training, the least understanding, and who are most connected to their soulish realm of desiring their immediate needs to be met, and you're allowing them to dictate and drive the vehicle of your family. That's messed up. It's called child-centered family. And a child-centered family is idolatry. You're putting the child above God. You're putting the child above the spouse. And God can't bless that order. He can't bless that order. We were all gathered together, our family, Morgan and Townsend and Caleb and, and Pastor We were all gathered talking the, this this week. And, and I think it was Morgan that says, Mom and Dad, did you guys, what did you say, watch a movie or watch a video or read a book? And, and how is it you guys became such great parents? Wow. We're like, we're either being set up that she's wanting something or... Maybe we've done something right in all the fumblings of what we've tried to do in, in through life. So she got our attention. And we're like, what, what are you saying, daughter? She says, she said, Dad, you got it right from the Bible, didn't you? She says, what the, foolishness. She starts quoting the scripture that I've quoted to them many times. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. <laughs> So, so she, said, she said, that works, that works. And she looks at Caleb and said, how long has it been since we've gotten a spanking? And Caleb's like, I don't know, but let's don't remind them, you know. Let's don't, let's don't bring this thing up, you know. And, and I know what abuse is, and not, we're not talking about abuse, and that's not what the Word of God is talking about. But I tell you what, you can warm the backside, and it will surely make for a nicer environment in your home when there's foolishness that's trying to rule and reign. Okay, now, so, so uh, you, how many of you have had healthy parenting he, uh, that was imposed on you? Okay, healthy parenting. Well, that's what we want to teach in here. No, we don't want it to be unhealthy. But let me tell you what, just the thought of that uh, spanking keeps them in, in tow. And uh, they're just, just saying, wow, we thank God. We have so much fun in our home. And we're, it's just, the boundaries have been set. They've been clearly defined. And, and, and I like what Caleb said. Caleb says, when the boundaries here, this is what he said just this week, the 11-year-old here. So when the boundaries here, he says, I, I, I've seen people that want to run up to and see how close they can get to the boundary and maybe put their foot over it. He says, but not me. I want to go the other way and stay as far from the boundary as possible. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be our preacher here growing up in the house. He's been saying he's going to preach ever since he was a little kid. And uh, so let me tell you this. God has given us order. And he says that we, if we will love the master first, put Jesus Christ first, then our spouse and our children, then the anointing of God that flows from the head down has the order in proper order and it will flow and the blessing of God will come upon it. But the judges had to determine whether or not they were sincere. See, some people have a, uh, a talk, but they don't have a walk. And that's very damaging. You ever met somebody who's got a big talk, but they don't walk what they talk? Did you know your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks? That is so very true. I don't know if I can say that again, but I hope you got it. Uh, rewind. 
No, your talk talks, but your walk talks. And your walk talks louder than your talk talks. So we got to basically practice what you preach. Amen. And the judges would come in and they would determine whether they were sincere, that they had their priorities right, that they would love their master first, they loved their spouse, they loved their children, and if so, they would take an awl and they would, it's like that steel pick there, and they would pierce their ear against the wooden timber of a door with that awl. I've entitled this message, Giving God Your All, A-W-L. Giving God your all. Because from this time forward, the hole in their ear was a mark that everyone, every man, every woman, they could see that I, by choice, I'm a bond servant. I serve my master because I love my master. I don't have to. I, I'm not paid to. I'm not paying anything off. I just love my master. And, I, you know, I'm a love slave. That was one of the terminologies. Or a bond servant or a freed slave who wants to serve my master. That was all some of the terminology that would be used in that day. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a powerful statement. Take the all and puncture my ear because I want an outward sign. I went, through, I went through this so there's an outward sign that everybody knows that I'm serving because I want to serve. Now, I know some of you probably don't like the idea of needles. Anybody in here, you don't like needles. We had a firefighter in here and works with rescue and all. Furt raised his hand in the first service. He was waving it. He don't like needles. Well, I've met people that don't like needles. My brother, believe it or not, he's a year older than me. My bigger brother, he's bigger than me. He works in a factory. He lifts lots of heavy metal. They call him a forklift. They finally promoted him to where he drives the forklift. But they said, really, Jimmy, we don't need to give you the forklift. You are a forklift. He's a big, strong man. And, uh, and, and, and I remember all the way back in school. Anybody remember in high school when you used to would line up in the gymnasium and they'd give you shots? And they were giving... Anybody ever had to get shots when you were in school? What school did I go to? None of you did? Man, what were they giving us? <laughs> they had the gun at one time. You know, pow, pow, pow. They'd just line you up. Pow, pow, pow. And shoot you with something. I don't know. And, uh, well, my brother... If you mention blood or needle or that gun, pow, and it shoots stuff in, the blood leaves his head and goes to his feet. And here he was playing on the football team, big, strong, uh, muscular guy, but he never got a shot, as far as I know, ever through high school because he always fainted in the line. He be it became the joke of the school, where is Jimmy going to fall next time? He fell in the bleachers and he fell on the gymnasium floor and he fell going up on the platform and he, because he just said he got to thinking about it and he's next in line and there's that shot and he would see a little squinch on the person's face and he said, oh, the blood's gone. And he, did, he would wake up somewhere in the nurse's room. Okay. I remember once walking through the mall and there was one of those kiosks in the middle and the vendor there was giving free ear piercings. And uh, as I was walking by, there was a little girl sitting there and she was screaming. Ah! They had people coming out of the stores in the mall looking to see what was happening. You would think that they were killing her, 
because they were piercing her ears. She was a little thing, and I reckon her mama wanted her ears pierced, you know. So, but here's what they would do. They would say, I choose to place the lobe of my ear up against the timber of this doorpost, and you take this awl and you pierce it because I want the world to know that I'm free, but I'm freed by a master who is so amazing, who is so great, that I want to serve him the rest of my life. Do you see the typology there? Hallelujah. That is a picture of our Jesus who is that good to us. Where we don't have to serve him, we want to serve him. Where we don't have to come to church, but we want to come to church. That we don't have to praise Him, but we want to praise Him. That we don't have to worship Him, but we want to worship Him. Hallelujah. That He's good to us. That He's forgiven us of our debt. That He paid our debt. That He set us free. That He has blessed us. And He has redeemed us. Hallelujah. And He's given us good things. He's given us a good spouse. He has given us good kids. He has given us a good life. What an amazing God. I love you so much that I want the world to know that I belong to you. Praise His holy name. Praise God. So don't miss this typology here, that when you love your master first, he has your ear. He has your ear. And it affects what you hear. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who has your ear? Who has your ear? Now, let me tell you what. Satan is very, very, very interested in who has your ear. How do I know that? Well, I go back to the beginning of time in Genesis and I find that when Adam and Eve were created by God and blessed by God and placed in the Garden of Eden in a curse-free environment, but then the most beautiful creature, Satan comes through and tries to get what? Eve's ear. And he starts talking in her ear and getting her to question the goodness of God, to question the motive of God. And then, once she's convinced, she then gets Adam's ear. And when she gets Adam's ear and he is convinced, he is the one that's being held in, uh, 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 responsible in this covenant that God had set up, and he violates the will of God, they are kicked out of the curse-free environment into a cursed environment where now the atmosphere and everything around them is cursed, all because they gave in to one who came to their ear. Let me tell you what, Satan has not changed his tactics even this day, I guarantee you, he is working very, very strategically to try and get your ear. He will use peer pressure, friends around you, you think they're friends, he will use them to try and speak into your mind and get you to question God and get you to get off track with God. He will use the people closest to you, the most beautiful people in your life, just like he came through the most beautiful creature in the garden, and he uses that so that you drop your guard. 
You think these people, they are great. And it's not that they're evil people, but they have a weakness they don't even realize they have that Satan is using them. They don't realize they're being used, but they are speaking in your ear. And if you listen to what they say over what God is saying, then you are committing idolatry because you are placing them over God, what they say over God, you are, you are an idolatrous person when you do that. But God would say this, don't let, listen to any other voice when it comes to the direction in your life but me. Give me your ear. And that is the typology here of why they would take an awl and they would pierce the ear because whoever you have given your life to fulfill and to serve and to honor that you give them your ear. So let's put Jesus Christ first today and not anyone else. Amen? Because when you love the Master first and He has your ear, you will listen to Him. He said, my sheep, they know my voice. So God is speaking to you right now. He is speaking to you by His Spirit. You say, well, I don't know how to tune in and hear what he is saying. Let me tell you one great uh, uh, truth that will help you. You know, when hurricanes come and when storms come and nor'easters come and even cloudy days like we've had for this past week, it can affect the signals that are in the airways. It may be a drop of phone service. Maybe your LTE went to 4G or 3G. And maybe you, if you've got a, a, a satellite and you're trying to watch a, a game or whatever and, and it gets, starts getting cloudy and like the sky outside, they're mimicking each other and you're frustrated because the signal has been affected with. There is some conflict in the airwaves. Spiritually, there's conflict in the airwaves. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in these heavenly places. There's the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of these strongholds. There's warfare going on in the airways. Well, let me tell you what. Even in a storm, for the few of you, and myself included, who've decided we're going to keep some hard-line telephones in our home, We've got the cellular, but we've still got the old-timey wired phone. The power can go out, and you can still call Dominion Power and let them know that the power is out because that phone is hardwired. Well, there is a voice of God where He is speaking to us continually, hardwired, and that is through His Word. So you can take it any time you want, and you can open this, and if you've got an ear to hear, God is speaking. He is speaking. This word is alive. I hold my Bible in my hand, and I say as it is open now, I can read these words, and they're hardwired, that they're straight to me. We need to spend time in the Word of God. If you want to know how to distinguish between hearing what may sound like the voice of God and whether or not it really is God because Satan comes as an angel of light, he's not coming to you speaking something so contrary as you to identify it as the enemy. He will try and make the smallest little twist 
in truth to make it untruth to get you tricked, but you can know the truth through the Word of God. So we need, and I gave a teaching on this Wednesday night, I encourage you to go online and to watch Wednesday night's Five Steps to Spiritual Maturity. And I teach this because it is so very important that we do this, practice this in our walk with the Lord. But we need to give our ear to the Lord. We need to back up against the wooden timber of a door and let an awl pierce our ear to symbolize that we have given God our all, that we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and we're marked in that, and we're going to give our ear to Him and Him alone so that we will hear the truth that continues to lead us into the freedom that He has for us. Hallelujah. So hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Are you giving God your all? A-L-L and A-W-L. These three alls are so important. The heart, the soul, and the strength. The heart of man, that's where our faith is. That's where our belief system is. It's in our heart. Our soul is our emotions. Our soul has gates. Our eye gate and ear gate and nose gate and mouth gate and touch gate. And all of these lusts of the flesh can be affected through our soulish realm. That's why a soulish person is one that is very easily maneuvered and manipulated by uh, circumstances and situations in words. If you see somebody pitching a fit because someone said something in innuendo that they assumed on Facebook was about them, and now they're pitching a fit, that's a soulish person. Why would you even give a person the, the time of day who is trying to, and the innuendo, innuendo may not even be about you, why are you so sensitive why are you going to waste your time? There's so much you could do with your time than, than getting all worked up and all spazzed out because of what someone said or didn't say or may have said about you. And really, they use another name, but they really meant you and whatever the devil's trying to tell you. The soulish realm is very, very vulnerable. Let me tell you, the enemy knows how to play on the soulish realm. Many years ago, Pastor Rodique and I, we were, we were uh, uh, at a conference, a big pastor's conference, thousands and thousands of pastors there. They brought in one of the key, you would say, leaders in Christendom there, one of them, and, uh, and that, that every pastor wanted to hear from. And this, this minister, he preached heaven down. He had, man, it was amazing, the sermon he preached. But then something happened that I'll never forget. He then said, as uh, he kind of transitioned, and he says, okay, if in, and he talked about his church and how many thousands it had grown to and how he was reaching millions and millions on television and money and all this stuff. He says, I've, this anointing on me is so great that I'm going to take pieces off and he says it's like pruning something I'll prune it it'll produce more fruit so he says this is a good thing and I'm going to put that anointing on you I'm going to give you that anointing God has given me more than my share 
And uh, he says, so the first thousand people who will come up and give a thousand dollars, you come through and pay credit card or check, I'll be here and I'll give you a piece of my anointing. Now let me tell you what, we're sitting here and our soulless realm has not been stirred. So we're like, yeah, right. Let's see that happen. But when you're in an environment where, man, you've been shouting and you've been seeing almost angels manifest, this has been amazing, and you're like stirred, do you know the folks lined up, they were trampling each other to get up there quicker, you know, trying to get the first one. I reckon they thought the anointing was going to get weaker down the line, so they wanted it first, and they were aggressive. They were aggressive. This thing pierced my heart and burdened my heart so And the Lord says, I don't work like this. This is not how I work. This is not how I give. You don't buy my anointing. There was one that wanted to buy it. Yeah, Simon the sorcerer. And you remember what happened there. And he's like, this is not, this is not me. So we sat there and we're like, I'm going to take the good out of what we received here. And it was much good. But that last part, I'm going to learn a lesson. So I came back here and I stood in the pulpit and I shared that story. And I said, I want you to help keep me accountable and I'm going to help keep you accountable that we're going to build this church as God told us to rise and build, but we're not going to do it through emotional manipulation. We're not going to do that. We're not going to, we're not going to pitch a story and get you so hallmark drama involved that you're, you're, you're going to do something that you regret. That the Lord loves a cheerful giver And as they had determined and set in their heart to give, so they gave. So this is between you and the Lord as you're giving to advance His kingdom. And in cheerfulness with your heart determined what you're going to give, that's what God can bless. So we want you to give in such a way that 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 giving can be blessed. It's It's not a manipulation or thievery or whatever you want to call it. And I said, so if we ever have a guest speaker, I shared that with the church here, and I'm sharing it with you now, and and I'm sitting there, and they have the pulpit, and I didn't realize they were going to do this, and they ever go in the end of the service, and they go into this, uh, you know, sad story manipulation, trying to, to, to do something like that, please, I said, sit on your wallets. Put your checkbooks back in their place, and if God tells you to give, then you sit on it till your emotions die down. And then if you still feel that's what the Lord told you to give, give it, give it. But don't give it through that type of manipulation. Because we're to love the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our soul. And when we allow our soul to start being manipulated as Eve and Adam did in the garden, it takes you out of a curse-free environment and puts you in a cursed environment. And we need to keep our souls with boundaries as well, especially our soulish realm, because our soulish realm is the easiest to manipulate. So he says we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, our belief and our faith and our soul and our strength meaning we're to love God in practice, that we're to not just say I'm a Christian, but we're to be a Christian. 
We're not just to say God is good, but we're to let the goodness of God flow through us. We're not to just say the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, but we got to let kindness flow through us. you got to be kind to people. you got to be kind to your employees. you got to be kind to your employer. you got to be kind to your students. you got to be kind to your professors. you got to be kind to those in the marketplace. you got to be kind to your spouse. you got to be kind to your children. you got to be kind to your parents. Come on now, somebody's got to walk this walk with me as we learn to love God with our strength. That we're not just talking the talk, but we're walking the talk because our walk talks louder than our talk talks. we got to practice what we preach. Hypocrisy does more to harm the kingdom of God in its expansion than probably anything else from within. We must be the church. Amen. And that means you've got to forgive when you feel like in your soulish realm they don't deserve to be forgiven. You've got to forgive in order to be forgiven. You've got to set the boundaries of God's Word over every area of your life. And when you love God with your heart, soul, and strength, that's loving God in 3D, which means it comes off the screen to you. That's what the world needs to see. They don't need to see a flat Christianity. They need to see a Christianity that comes off of the screen. You know, you can watch a movie, go to IMAX theater. Anybody ever been to an IMAX theater? Here we are, Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel, loving the Lord Jesus Christ church, and we're asking people in the service, have you ever been to a movie, to an IMAX movie? There was a day and an age, if you went to the movies, you were condemned and you were on your way to hell. Even if you went and watched Noah's Ark, it was, it was the devil's playhouse. You know, well, I say if we're light and we're supposed to shine in darkness, you don't go watch anything bad. You've got to guard your eye gate. You've got to guard your ear gate. You've got to guard. But let me tell you what, if there's something good, there's nothing wrong with you going there with, and with your family, I don't think. But here at an IMAX, they have it to where Spider-Man, you know webs don't come out of his wrist. But you're catching them because it looks like they're about to hit you, right? You know dinosaurs aren't real, but you just ducked because you thought he was going to bite your head off. It comes off of the screen. And, and, and it's the same way when we love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, and strength, we become Christians who love in 3D. And, we can, and folks can see that we are real. And they want to reach out and touch us. And they want to have what we have. See, people respond to you when you live in 3D. When you give him your all, A-L-L and A-W-L. See, serving Jesus is not slavery. Say amen. amen. You say, I choose this life. If there were no heaven, if there were no hell, if there was no such thing as eternity, and this life of the years that we live here was all we could have, I would still choose to serve God. Because God is good. And all good and perfect gifts come from Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. So here in this text this morning, God has set this type of His Son Jesus coming to free us from the chains of slavery and free us from the bondage that we were in. And when we're free, 
that we have the opportunity to say, I'm not leaving you, Jesus. I didn't come to you just to get the chains off of my life. I didn't come to you just to get out of debt. I didn't come to you just to get a get-to-go-to-heaven card. I came to you. You are better to me than I was to you. You are a good master. You are king of kings and lord of lords, and I choose to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to put you first in my life. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, you need to make up your mind, no matter how old you are, how young you are, you need to make up your mind that uh, you're going to serve something. See, God created us to serve Him. He created us. That we're, we, we are by nature going to serve something. And if you're not serving God, Satan's going to slip right in and get you in servitude to Him. He'll get you serving alcohol. Not serving it to others, serving it to your flesh. He'll get you in chains and bondage to alcohol. He'll get you in chains and bondage to drugs. He'll get you serving money. He'll get you serving the flesh. He'll get you serving your peers and your friends. He'll get you serving your ego and others. All of this brings bondage. 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 Everyone, bondage. But let me tell you what. If you will serve the one who created you, he is the only master who has pure incentives. He is the only master that has a pure plan. And that's not to enslave you, but that's to free you. For he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And you come to him and say, I choose to serve you. God, I give you my all. So you can take the all and you can pierce my ear up against the timber of the tree because you have my ear. You have my ear because I love you with my heart, my soul, and my strength. And you are to plainly say, as God, I serve you, I love you first, and I love my spouse, and I love my children. It's time that the children of God and the people of God start putting their spouse in the proper order. That we, at many times, through the trickery of the enemy, we give less to our spouse than our best. For some reason or another, the devil tricks us and we start taking them for, for we just take them for granted. We just, y'all got quiet on me. You know good and well that the greatest temptation that the enemy so subtly brings into our marriages is that we take our spouses for granted. Well, I'm calling for a revival, and I'm calling for a renewal, and I'm calling for fresh fire in the marriages of this house. Not a fire that destroys, but a fire that unites. A fire of love and a fire of respect and a fire of romance and a fire. Yes, it's okay for you to romance your spouse. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't need a Jezebel outside uh, to come and lure you to think that the only romance left in the world is that that is outside of this covenant of God. I'm telling you, you need to pray right now. God, I put it in order. I love you first. And because I love you first, you're opening up the windows of heaven to bring romance and a renewal and a refreshing into my marriage and my, with my children. God, you're, there's going to be a restoration in relationship. What the devil's done to separate me from my kids and my kids from me, the devil is a liar. We're breaking those chains. Those sons and daughters are coming home 
The husbands and wives are coming home. The romance is coming home. Hallelujah. And all because we put God first, then our spouse, and then our children. Hallelujah. Do you love Him with all? A-W-L and A-L-L. Do you love Him with all your heart? If you do, His love and His power flows from the head down to every area of your life. But quick question as we wrap this up. Do you love Him with all your heart or with half of your heart? See, when you love God with only half of your heart, you're half-heartedly into this relationship, that leaves a question mark. For half of a heart is a question. And you live with lots of questions and you question everything. Are you there? I love how Billy Graham tells the story that he was preaching. God had called him to preach and be an evangelist, but he wasn't having much success as an evangelist. He would preach and open the altars and no one was coming. And he could not figure out why. And he went out into the field one day in the edge of the woods and he's praying and he's saying, God, what is going on? And the Lord responded to him, says, Billy, you have a lot of questions in your mind and it's affecting your heart. You're not fully trusting me. You don't trust me with your whole heart. He said to God, well, God, I want to be a good theologian and I want to be a good student of the scriptures and I don't understand everything in the Bible. And I have those questions and those questions I, I'm trying to deal with. And God said to him, Billy, do you trust me? And he says, uh, yes, Lord, I trust you. He says, I've given you my word. Can you trust me in the discovery of those questions? Can you trust me in the discovery of life? And he says, yes, I can. He says, well, then do it. So he said, I took the Bible and I opened it up and I laid it on a stump there that was in the edge of the woods. And as I laid the Bible there, I stood back and I pointed at the Word of God and I said, from this moment forward, I believe that this is the divinely inspired Word of God. I, will not, I may not understand all of it yet, but God, you're leading me into discovery. I trust you and I trust every word that is written in here and I will not question it from this day forward. And he said, I picked up the Word of God and it became the living sword in my hand. And he said, then I went and preached. And, and he says, the altars began to fill with hundreds and then thousands and then tens of thousands of people would come at the simple preaching of the Word of God that I had set my foot down to say, I believe this to be the truth. Hallelujah. Well, let me tell you what, the same is true with you and me. If we're into a relationship with God and we're half-hearted into it and we said we hadn't figured everything else out and we've seen somebody mess up over here and we saw somebody that we thought was a Christian that didn't do it quite the way we thought they should do it over there, let me tell you what, it's time to get our eyes off of the wind and the waves and get our eyes back on Jesus so that we can start walking on the water and take the Word of God in the relationship that we have with God and say, God, whether there's a heaven or hell, whether eschatology is pre, post, or mid, it really doesn't matter. I know you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You've redeemed me. You've sent your son. You've shed your blood. You gave your all. You want to free me up. You want to set me at liberty. So I'm going to give you my all. Hallelujah. Pierce my ear. 
pierce it on the wood if you want. And, and, and as we look at the type of you being pierced on wood to bring us this relationship and to bring us this life. Hallelujah. Take up your cross daily and follow him. So Jesus tells us in Mark 12 and 30, he says, love the Lord your God. Now this is in the New Testament. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And he intensifies it in the New Covenant. He said, let's go 4D. Let's go 4D. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Praise God. So I just ask you, as we close this morning, as you stand before the Lord, and not to be judged by anyone else, but by His Spirit, how genuine is your heart in saying, God, you're first. You may not be married yet, but when you get married, your spouse is second. You may not have children yet, but children are coming. Children are third. But that order, God is first. God is first. Is he first in your life? Second Chronicles 25, 2 Chronicles 25.2 says Amaziah did what was right in the sight of the Lord but not with a perfect heart. His heart wasn't fully in him. I ask you this morning how many of you could say I'm guilty that I've been serving God but not with a perfect heart. I have not given him my whole heart but I want to get things in the right order today that I want to praise Him and live for Him and be used by Him and, and to uh, live life in such a way that will bring glory to Him as others witness my life because I give Him my all. Have you given God your all? Or are you still serving Him but not with a perfect heart? I would say let's make that change that needs to be made today if you're convinced that the Word of God is for you. And this is the Spirit of God leading you to do so. Let us stand. Hallelujah. Father, we just bow our heads before you now and we thank you for the truth that comes to set us free. Lord God, you know by your Spirit, as your Spirit judges all things, Lord God, that there are hearts who even through trickery, of the enemy and deceit of the enemy they did not realize that they were serving you Lord but not with a perfect heart there was division there was questions there's doubt there's some unforgiveness Lord help us today to receive not only your grace but your mercy as well and in order for us to do that we have to forgive others so Lord there may be somebody right now that in, in the name of Christ, as a Christian, has violated us and caused great pain in our life. And we've got to see that that was a person who had a weakness that the enemy used to try and get us off track. So first and foremost, we're going to, re, re, we're going to, we're going to forgive that person. We're going to forgive them. We're not going to forgive the devil. Lord, you've got a plan for him. But we're going to forgive this person. You need to release them right now. It may have been a pastor. may have been a Sunday school teacher. It may have been a group leader. It may have been a choir director. It may have been someone that's just a Sunday school teacher or someone in the, just a church family. But the enemy used their weakness 
to bring pain into your life. And the enemy is now using that to cause you to not serve God with a perfect heart. In order for you to say, I plainly state that I put Jesus Christ first and for it to be judged to see that that is genuine in your heart, you've got to forgive that person or those persons. You've got to release them right now. It may have been parents. It may have been step-parents. It may have been uh, guardians. The enemy will use the people closest to you who have weaknesses that he can manipulate to bring you the greatest pain. So you've got to release those people. Jesus says, if you fail to forgive them, then I fail to, my father will fail to forgive you. So we, we must make that right, right now. Lord, we want to plainly say that we love you with our all. We love you. You are first in our lives. So we're not having any idols before you. Nothing else is going to keep us from you. So we forgive, we release, and we come to you and we bow at your feet. And we say, from this day forward, I'm going to serve you, Jesus. From this day forward, you are my Lord. Come on, let's pray that together. Father God, I want to thank you for making the way clear and making the way accessible in and through your son, Jesus Christ. That if I will love him with all of my heart and all of my soul and all my strength, hallelujah, I am saved. So Jesus, I declare, you are my Lord. I love you first. I don't have to. I'm not being made to. But I want to. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to honor you. You are Lord of my life. And I believe God has raised you from the dead. So you are alive. Now come live through me. Hallelujah. The Bible says that if you pray a prayer like that, if you will make a declaration like that from your heart and genuinely mean it, the Bible says you are saved. And the word saved is sozo, which means you are now on your way to heaven. Your name's been written in the Lamb's book of life, but it also means you're open for healing and you're open for deliverance and you're open for prosperity and you're open for promotion and you're open for all that God has provided through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is yours. It is the fullness of the gospel here on earth thy kingdom come thy will be done hallelujah so if you believe hallelujah and confess Jesus as Lord number one then let me tell you what he says all the other stuff is going to start to overtake you if you love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and seek him first in his kingdom all the other stuff will overtake you hallelujah so Lord God we just thank you today that we can make it plainly declared in this house that we love you, Master. Jesus, we love you first. We love our spouse and we love our children. In Jesus' name, amen.